Welcome, everybody, to Wednesday nights here at Journey. This is the group who uh, doesn't like Oxnard, or doesn't like Franklin Graham, or doesn't like Jeremy Camp, or you just really like Journey the Church, and you're grateful to be here tonight. We're grateful you're here. You know, it's uh, one thing that we always committed to at Journey is, is having a Wednesday night service, uh, not canceling church. I mean, we've had Wednesday night service on 4th of July. We're having it again this year on 4th of July. Uh, we've done it on Christmas Day twice, you know. We've done it on New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. So just because we feel it's important to, to uh, celebrate and worship God together as a family, and, and we're really grateful that you guys are here tonight. Um, tonight, I want to give you guys a new, a new term, a new theological term to add to your repertoire of faith and reason vocabulary. And the word is brain fart. It means a temporary mental lapse or failure to reason correctly. Now, it's not that much of a well-worn term when it comes to theological instruction or reasoning. However, brain farts are littered throughout the pages of Scripture. We see it both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and we see it everywhere, even in our lives today, even in our society that's contemporary and advanced and progressive and innovative, cutting-edged and civilized society. Here are a couple examples of modern-day brain farts. These are questions from the internet that people have asked. If I eat myself, will I get twice as big or disappear completely? Number two, does it take 18 months for twins to be born or nine? Number three, do you think NASA invented thunderstorms to cover up the sound of space battles? For sure. Number four, how big is the specific ocean? Specifically speaking. Number five, how am I sure I'm the real mom of my kid? Some of you moms might wonder, like, how did this happen? All right, number six, why are the holes in cat's fur always in the right places for their eyes? And why is that cat playing piano? Number seven, how far of a drive is it from Miami to Florida? Not far at all. I don't want to name any names, but uh, if you asked any of these questions, welcome to Journey. We're here to help you. All right. Number eight, what does a quarter till four mean? Like, why is it called that? Because a quarter is worth 25 cents. So why is it 15 minutes? Kind of legitimate question, right? Number nine, are chickens considered animals or birds? Neither, right? Number 10, is it possible for tattoos to get passed on genetically from parent to child? <laughs> Number 11, if I shave my golden retriever like a lion, will the other dogs respect him more? <laughs> oh, for sure. Number 12, does looking at a picture of the sun hurt your eyes? Don't look, don't look. Number 13, 
I'm going to get the grammar correct on this. If Batman parents are died, then how was he born? And then the last one, number 14. Is an egg a fruit or a vegetable? Yeah, so these might seem pretty bad, right? Like, but tonight in our passage in the Gospel of John, believe it or not, you might be surprised because the people following Jesus also have some major brain farts. So let's recap. If you've ever watched a TV show, maybe you've seen where they say, like, previously on dot, dot, dot. Well, previously in the Gospel of John, Jesus multiplies five loaves of barley bread and two fish to feed the multitudes, 5,000 plus people. And you know, Jesus, he could have multiplied anything. He could have multiplied taxes or disease or rabbits as if they needed any help with that. But he decided to multiply food. And I like that about Jesus. Then Jesus walked on the water through double overhead surf just to say to his disciples, don't be afraid, I am here. And you know, Jesus, he could have said anything, but he says these words, I am. In Greek, it's ego eimi. It's, it's a very famous statement, I am, because it takes us all the way back to Exodus chapter three with Moses and the burning bush. When Moses asks God, what is your name? He says, I am who I am. So is Jesus calling himself God here? You betcha. So let's stand if you're able to stand as we read tonight. We're going to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 22 through 24. It says, The next day, that is, after Jesus had miraculously multiplied loaves of bread and fish to feed 5,000 plus people, and after he walked on water, the crowd had, that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat. And they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias, that's on the southwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee, landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So this was probably around Bethsaida in the northeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum on the northwestern shore to look for him. Jesus, tonight it's you that we look for. We look for you in our lives. We look for you in our circumstances, in our world. And God, tonight we ask to, to find you, Jesus. We want to know you in a personal way, in a way that changes us and transforms us and in a way that changes and transforms the people around us and the society around us and the culture around us to be glorifying and honoring to you. And we know it starts with us. It starts in our lives and our relationship with you. I thank you for each and every person here tonight. And Lord, how are you gonna work in our lives? We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. 
So while it might be beneficial to break out some compasses and try and figure out, map out where Jesus is going and the circus that is following him, I think the, the most important thing to know is that there's a circus of people following Jesus. And they notice two things here. That's what our text says. The disciples had taken the only boat, and then secondly, they realized that Jesus had not gone with them. Verse 25 says, They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? When? They knew that, number one, the disciples had taken the only boat, and number two, Jesus had not gone with them. It's not a question of when did you get here, but I think the logical question would be, how did you get here? How did you get here, Jesus? We'll call this brain fart number one. Okay, they may not have guessed that Jesus walked on the water. Maybe we shouldn't be so hard on them here. Maybe they're just trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, first asking this when question. Maybe that would help them figure out, well, how did Jesus get here? So we'll let this one slide, but Jesus doesn't let them slide. He notices something in the attitude of the crowd here that comes looking for him. In verse 26 and 27, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. So you're just looking for a handout. You're just here looking for free food. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. I remember in high school, there was a, an empty locker in this one location where we used to sit and, and eat our lunch. And my friends and I, I don't know what, what prompted us to do this, but, you know, we were going to conduct our own sort of science experiment. And by science experiment, I simply mean that we would put perishable food items in this particular locker over a particular period of time testing the shelf life of various perishable food products. So this was our hypothesis. If I put a half-eaten apple, strings of string cheese, a third of a burrito, and, oh, say, 80 milliliters of yogurt into this locker, then the results of this experiment will yield, in a few weeks' time, catastrophic, moldy, maggot-infested chaos. And it did. Every day we would deposit some perishable food item into this locker and, and then Milgan knows what I'm talking about because he was part of this too. And then you would, after a couple of weeks, you would open up the locker and there would be a plume of these tiny flies and along with the plume of flies was this ghastly, God-forsaken, putrid odor that would just emerge from this locker. Well, we came back from, uh, I don't know, winter break or spring break or something, and we noticed that the, the lockers were all like washed, and there was a particular zip tie on this particular locker. What? No. No. It was freshly washed and cleaned out. But unfortunately, a lot of our lives actually look like the inside of that catastrophic moldy, maggot-infested chaos of a locker. Our lives look like that because we're so concerned about what Jesus said, perishable things like food. 
money, power, prestige. All those things are perishable. And that's what our lives look like. And maybe we just notice this at the end of our lives if we're not very satisfied with what we have done or what we've accomplished or, or how we have walked with God or not walked with God. Maybe those lockers that represent our lives are just filled of moldy things that are perishing or maybe they're just empty and they have nothing inside to show for them for a whole life. But, but Jesus says, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. So let's do some table talk. Talk to the people around you at your tables and answer this following question. How do you, slash can you, slash will you, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you? Ready, go. All right, so let's bring it back together and we'll continue forward with our, our text. But this, this whole question about spending your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, we know it's accomplished simply by faith and by obedience. It's not about like the amount of works that we could produce that would make us good or, or worthy. It's not about the tasks, that, that the deeds that we could tally up, but the crowd that's following Jesus here, that this crowd with already one brain fart against them, it says this about them in verse 28. They replied... We want to perform God's works. What should we do? Brain fart number two here. They say, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Is that really your response to Jesus' statement? Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you? Their statement here is all wrong. Their question is all wrong. And it's beginning to sound like they're more interested in becoming like gods rather than seeking God. Instead of we want to perform God's works, what should we do? They, they first should have actually asked or, or just first listened to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you're talking about how we shouldn't be so concerned about temporal things, about perishable things like food, but we should spend our energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give us. How do we do that? But instead, they're essentially asking, how do we do the cool God tricks that you do? How do we do all those fancy magic tricks and we know that their motives are suspect because Jesus has already called them out on those things. You're here just for the grub, not because you understand the miracles. You know, we do the same though today. We get wrapped up in how talented she is or, or how great of a speaker he is or, or how bold she is or, or he's so transparent. And then we forget who the talent or the speaking or the boldness, or the transparency actually belongs to. We should work hard to hone any talent, any ability, any boldness, or, or any transparency. We should work hard, but we should also remind ourselves that these things are not the message. These things merely help to support the message or confirm the message or help to deliver the message. The same goes with, with miracles, with acts of, of power and acts of wonder. These signs are, are not the message, but they help to convey the message. Any talent, any speaking ability 
boldness or transparency, any miracles or signs or wonders or acts of power, these aren't the message, but they help to confirm or deliver the message. You know, we go cuckoo a little bit. Cuckoo when we confuse the miracles and signs and wonders as the message. The message is Jesus. That's the message. And any talent, ability, boldness, transparency, miracle, sign, wonder, act of power is for him. So instead of trying to perform various spectacles that we could muster up or pretend or manufacture, it's just about belief. That's what Jesus says in verse 29. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. I mean, I would like circle that or underline that because I think that's pretty important. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. It's that simple. But so often we think of the Christian life like it's a figure skater. You know, a figure skater who's before a panel of judges and we wanna impress all of these judges and we view these judges as individuals with clipboards and, and pens and paper and they're, they're marking off all of our mistakes and so we're trying to impress so we aren't put to shame or and we think that's what the Christian life is all about and that builds so much stress like Sky was talking about. That builds so much fear and anxiety and pressure upon us when it's like... Whoever told us that we were supposed to perform like this, to impress people? In fact, I think it's a little bit different. When someone asks you for directions, how, how pressurized is that? I mean, how, how full of anxiety and stress is that when someone just says, hey, how do I get from here to there? We're simply helping people, giving people directions because we have a message of hope. We have a message that will help change people's lives. And so instead of trying to impress people like a skater before a panel of judges, I think we should view the Christian life as simply helping people with directions. But the crowd here in John 6, even after two brain farts, they still think it's a show. In verse 30, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? What is this, like show and tell? Penn and Teller, Siegfried and Roy, are those guys still performing there with the tigers and stuff? No? I don't know. I'm asking you, no one knows that? All right, no, apparently not. PETA got involved, something. But again, the question is all wrong. What can you do? How can I accomplish this only work that God wants from me and believe in the one he has sent? That should be the real question. Let's do some table talk. What is belief? How do you slash can you slash will you believe in the one that he has sent? That is Jesus. Go. All right, let's bring it back together with verse 30 and 31. Just to recap, this is what it says. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. What's manna? Funny you should ask. Here's my rapid fire explanation of manna. I've used this a couple of times teaching and stuff, so 
just uh, sit tight because it's a lot. It's going to come at you pretty quick. Uh, but they called it man in Exodus chapter 16 because when they first saw it, they said, man, who? That's what it sounds like in Hebrew. What is this? That would be a translation of manna. What is this? Its physical attributes verge on fantastic. There's a long list of things it gets described as in scripture. It's been described as flaky or like frost or shaped like coriander seed. It was white or like gum resin yellowish. It tasted like honey soaked wafers or caked cakes baked with oil. It could be ground or pounded into mortar, then baked or boiled. It melted in the sun, and then when it was stored, it rotted or became worm-infested by the next day, unless that next day was the Sabbath, except for a sample that was kept in a jar and eventually placed in the Ark of the Covenant, where it lasted for many years. Even though individuals gathered different amounts, everyone had as much as they needed. Some scholars have identified, this is really gross, the manna with a natural substance, such as the edible sweet excretions of a type of lice found in the Sinai Peninsula. I don't know why anyone's tasting the excretions of lice in the first place. But the, this, this natural explanation is no good because the manna was not a natural phenomenon. It was the supernatural bread of heaven. As the psalmist describes in Psalm 78, 23 through 25, yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Mortals ate the bread of angels. He sent them Food in abundance. So if you were on this like carb-free uh, diet or something like that, Whole30, Paleo, uh, Keto, you would die. Uh, because manna, I think, is a carb. I don't have any source for that, but I think it's a carb um, it's like a bread type of substance. We don't really know what it looks like. That's just frost on the, on the ground there. But uh, manna proves to be an example of God's care for the Israelite people as they were traveling through the desert. It would come with the dew in the morning. It was this incredible supernatural phenomenon. From the time of Exodus, when they left Egypt, it comes to them, along with quail every now and then. But, but it it stayed with them until they entered into the promised land. That, that speaks about the faithfulness of God. But verse 31, the, the people, the, the crowd here, they continue and they say, After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Let's do some table exploration. And for this, you will need your Bibles. What I want you to do is read the following uh, passages, and it's great if you have, like, all the tables have a couple of people at them, a lot of people. You, you know, you can have one person look up one verse. That's the way it, it will go faster, and they can read it. Uh, but read Psalm 78, 24. Read Nehemiah 9, 15. Exodus 16, 4, and verse 15 of chapter 16. And Psalm 105, 40. To confirm the Moses gave them bread from heaven, quotation from the crowd. So in other words, they're quoting something from the Old Testament, and I just want to make sure it's actually what it says. Any questions? 
Okay, go. There are Bibles on the back table, or you can download the Journey app or look it up on your phone. All right, for some of you guys, maybe that felt like a wild goose chase. Uh, you're looking up all these passages, um, maybe books that you're not uh, used to reading and stuff like that. But uh, after reading a number of these passages, right, we've got uh, Psalm 78, Nehemiah 9, Exodus, Psalms. Uh, where does it say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat? Where does it say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat? Nowhere, right? Oh, that's nice. So where did they pull that quote from? Like thin air, maybe? I mean, it's kind of loosely connected to this, but, but beware when people tell you the Bible says dot, dot, dot. Or just simply follow it up with a question and say, where? Like, where does it say that? You know, I don't care if they're a pastor or a friend or a parent or a politician, whoever it may be, where does it say that? Because here we see an example in Scripture of people quoting Scripture that's not even there. The crowd must be hangry, because they, you know what hangry means, right? They're angry and hungry. That happens to me like four times a day. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Oh, I'm hungry. That's why I'm angry. But they must be hangry because they're all out of sorts. They say, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Brain fart number four here because verse 32 says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Brain fart, Right? Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That'd be me, Jesus. Verse 34, sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Well, they're kind of confused and rightly so. They misunderstand. So verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Sounds like we've heard something like that before in John chapter four, but not with hunger, but with thirst. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is the bare necessities of life. Here we see in John chapter six that he is the bread of life. We heard back in John chapter four with the woman at the well that he is the living Water. Jesus is not some temporary snack. He's a staple food item, something that will never perish. He's the item that's necessary for our survival. But verse 36 says, But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. But re pay close attention to these words. These just, these just hit me. Because I feel like God is speaking these words to us right now in verse 37 in closing. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. 
And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. So the takeaway for tonight, Jesus is the bread of life. The necessary necessity for our existence and daily survival. In our confusions and also in our brain farts, we might uh, forget, but may we never forget that he is our source for everything, ability and sustenance. To him is due all honor and glory for any good deed that we could ever do. For any shining moment that we ever have, we need to make sure that we give glory to God. You know, whatever it may be, whatever task that you're, you're involved in, whether it's raising kids or whether it's working or whether it's going to school, whether it's you get a good grade or whether you, you get a promotion or whatever it may be, or you just were nice to somebody and, and someone is congratulating you or, or encouraging you or complimenting you, give the glory to God. Yeah, don't, don't be like, you know, don't be mean about it. Like, oh yeah, it's not me. It's not me. It's, it's just God. But, but there's a way of doing it, right? Because he is our source of goodness and he's a source that we need to cling to. You know, the beautiful part about bread is that it's known for breaking and sharing. And if you're a carbivore like me, like you love bread, you love cereal, you love whole grains, all that stuff, you're not supposed to eat, apparently. All these diets are telling you that carbs are bad. Well, Jesus is the bread of life, so what are you gonna do with that? If you're a carbivore like me, that consumption may come easy, right? We and I'm talking about bread and I'm talking about Jesus at the same time right here. That consumption comes easy. Like we want more Jesus in our lives. We want him to transform us. We, we want to be near to him. We want to be involved with him and we want him involved in our lives and near to us. But we must also remember to share the bread of life, to give it out to those in need, to those who are hungry, maybe those who don't seem very hungry, but sharing Jesus, inviting people to church, you know? Someone invited you, right? Someone invited me. Someone brought me, you know? There were days when I was kicking and screaming. Uh, but it's okay, because that's what it's about. Jesus is the living water. He is the bread of life. He's the only hope in the world. We may think of all of these cool ideas and cool laws and cool plans and cool politicians or, or cool ideas that are gonna innovate our world to be so much better, but the only thing that is really going to bring actual, true, sustaining hope that's not perishable, that's not a perishable food item like all of the other things is Jesus. So would you pray with me tonight? Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of life, that you are the living water, and even in our confusion, 
and our chaos, our dumb decisions, our brain farts, Lord, the moments when we think, I've got this, or I'm going to run with this, and we pay no attention to you. Forgive us, Lord. We want to hear your voice, and I pray, Lord, you just speak to us, maybe right now, about how we can live for you, how we can believe in you. Lord, speak to us right now about how we can live for the things that are not just temporal, but that we can live for things eternal. God, I do believe that you are reaching into our community, into our lives, to bring hope in this world. And I pray that we would give you the glory, that we would constantly come back to realize that you are our source and our sustenance for all our ability. But Lord, help us to carve out time in our days to seek you to slow down, to hear from you, to open up the word, to pray, to get away from the noise. I pray, Lord, that you would raise up the men and women in this place tonight to be mighty men and mighty women of God. That you would fill us with the ability that we need to do the tasks that we just aren't capable of doing that we aren't equipped, that we aren't able to do on our own. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for, for keeping us under your wings. So lead us and guide us, we pray. Help us to be faithful and obedient to you, Jesus. We love you. And we thank you for loving us first. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here, guys. Don't forget, we have Sunday. We're continuing brave. It's a great time to invite people to church. We have a lot of fun stuff coming up this summer. We've got root beer floats coming. We've got VBS coming. We have a lot of stuff happening. Our eighth birthday coming up in July. I want you guys to be involved. Great opportunities to, to meet people. Thank you so much.